from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to January. Holy cow, start of a new year. You ready for it? I am ready to rock and roll. Plenty of caffeine. Uh, got me all kinds of uh, Keurig K-Cups for the new year. Keep me jacked up on coffee. How about you? <laughs> hey, we've got a great show for you this month. John Crowley is here, author of Knuckle Dragging Sales. We're going to chat with him about his new book, which I think is, is really, really great. Uh, it's very tactical. It's very practical. And I think you're going to love it. We're also going to talk a little bit about steps to perfect prospecting. And what do I mean by that? New business development? I mean, it's a part of our everyday life. So I've got six steps I'm going to walk you through that I think that you'll uh, you'll really love. And of course, uh, your favorite part of the show, my favorite part of the show, is our listener questions. So we've got Robbie from Houston in the queue. We've got Jessica from Tulsa. Got a great question from Dave in Jacksonville. And that's all coming up. So Deborah's going to get those all queued up uh, for us here in just a second as well. All right, friends. Well, I'd be a pretty pretty terrible sales coach if I wasn't able to sell some sponsors uh, of our program here. So if you would, just give me 35 seconds to pay a few bills. We'll be right back here on the Sales Training World Podcast. The Sales Training World Podcast is brought to you in part by... OpenLook Business Solutions. OpenLook offers affordable outsourcing solutions like data cleanup, telemarketing, customer service follow-up, and so much more. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. Are you looking to grow as a sales manager or VP of sales? Emmy Award-winning sales coach Ryan Dorn just recorded five hours of sales management training. It's available to you online now on demand. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. Over 1,000 sales managers agree. This is the best management training online. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. All right, back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, thanks, Deborah. Thanks, everybody, for letting me pay a few bills there. I've got kids to pay for. How about you? Car payments <laughs> and everything else. So everything else is going to be free today. All right, we got John Crowley coming up in just a second. Uh, Knuckle Dragging Sales is the book, A Primitive Process to Make More Money. Who's about making some more money this new year? Love that. So, And then we got our listener questions coming up. But uh, first, let's talk about steps to perfect prospecting. That's a lot of P's. Steps to perfect prospecting. And for me, it's one of the most mission-critical pieces of what we do every day in sales land. I think we all would agree. When we've got a full pipeline, we've got a lot of business potentially out there in the hopper, that's when our chances of closing deals actually comes into play. So what are we doing? What am I doing? What are my, what are my clients doing? What are we doing to try to get more people on the phone, to try to get to more meetings? Aha, there is the goal, my friends. That's the goal. The goal is to try to get people to a meeting, not to sell them during this phase. Let me explain that to you. It's pretty straightforward. There's three phases to the sale. The sale. First phase, prospecting to get a meeting. Second phase, and that's tough, by the way. First phase, prospecting to get a meeting. Second, great sales presentations. Not a bunch of boring slide decks. Great story-filled presentations. And then the third is retention. That's the best piece of it all. I love retaining customers. 
So let's talk about that first phase. That first phase is prospecting with a goal of getting somebody to a meeting. A lot of you, what you do is you prospect so hard that you start selling during the first phase. Now, remember back, it wasn't but a couple years ago that SAP did a study. And that study showed that something like 89% of buyers would rather go to the dentist than talk to a salesperson. Come on. So a lot of, a lot of salespeople that I'm working with are selling during the prospecting phase. So because of that, people are not booking meetings with you because they don't like being sold. You'd probably agree with me. Most people don't mind buying. Most people just don't like being sold. So I'm going to walk you through what I do, the five things that I do every single day in an effort to get more people to meetings with me about the various things that I sell. I sell five different things in my current life, software, media, technology stuff, and myself as well. Number one of five, defining the perfect prospect. Number one, defining the perfect prospect. What I mean by that is I don't just put a bunch of whales on my list. I think you know what whales are. Whales are those big daddy clients, those big mama clients. I don't have just a bunch of whales on the list because whales are really tough to close. So I try to have a gentle balance. I break my prospects into three groups, minnows, cod, and whales. Minnows are those little clients. We don't want to forget about them, although sometimes I'd like to. We don't want to forget about them, but we can't have too many minnows on our prospect list. On the flip side of that is whales on the other side. If we have too many whales on our prospect list, we're never going to make gold. We need some, but not the whole list. Then there's that center group, the cod. Cod, the most commonly eaten white fish. That cod group. So I want you to think about this as you're defining the perfect prospect. Don't have too many minnows. Don't have too many whales. You want to also have a bunch of cod as well. I would divide it like this. 20% minnows, 20% whales, 60% cod, that group right in the middle. Those folks typically, that's where you get a lot of your bills paid by that cod group. So have a definition of some kind. What's a minnow? What's a cod? What's a whale? Define the perfect prospect. Number one. Number two, I'm creating the perfect list. Now that list might be 20. That list might be 50. That list might be 100. I don't know your circumstance, but here's what I do know. What I do know is that on that list, it needs to be based upon your call to close ratios. So you might not need 20. You might need 10. You might need 100. So here's what I'd ask you to consider. Putting together this perfect list, whether it's 20, whether it's 50, whether it's 100, it's really based around your call to close ratios. How many deals do you need in the next 30 days to be at goal? If you need to close five deals, probably you're going to need to be prospecting 10 people. If you need 10 deals, probably you're going to need to be prospecting 20 people. If you need 50 deals, wow, you probably need to be prospecting 100 people. So recognize the list that you need, the size of the list is determined by how many deals you need to close in order to get to goal. So again, the example I would give you is this. If you look at your numbers and you need five deals in the next 30 days to get to goal, you probably need to be prospecting 10 people. That's if you're closing 50%. <laughs> if your close rate is more like 20%, which by the way is not very good, you probably need to be prospecting 15 people. So step number two is understanding how many people do you actually need on your prospect list. Okay, number three of five, creating the perfect email. The perfect email for me is not a sales email. It's not a marketing email. It follows the rule of three and three. Three words max in the subject line, three sentences in the email. 
three and three, three words maximum in the subject line. Marketers will tell you the same thing. Three sentences max within that email. Now, in my emails and my voicemails, I'm basically focusing on three things. How can I save somebody time? How can I save somebody money? Or how can I make them money? I want to be highly relevant to them. Make some assumptions. How can you save them time? How can you save them money? Or how can you help make them money? Those three things are the primary focus of my emails. I'm not selling. I'm trying to entice them to some type of meeting. Hey, Bob, I've got a great way to save you time. Hey, John, I've got a great way to save you money. Hey, Julie, I've got a great way to help make you more money. Those are the three main things important to most people. That also from my emails is going to carry over to my voicemails. I'm going to focus on those three things as well. Now, in the voicemails, I never say my name first or where I'm calling from. And the reason I don't do that is because I know people will just hang up on me. <laughs> Let's be honest. So, again, I'm focusing on how can I save them time? How can I save them money? How can I make them money? Oh, and by the way, this is Ryan calling from Brainswell Media or whatever the circumstance is. So three and four, steps three and four, creating the perfect email. Step number four, creating the perfect voicemail are very, very similar. I want to be highly relevant. How can I save them time? How can I save them money? How can I make them money? Or whatever you think their pain point really is. Make some assumptions. Stop this whole baloney that people are preaching out there. Things like, well, I don't know if we're a good fit or not, so I'd like to stop by and talk with you. That's what's called wasting people's time. Figure it out, friends. Make some assumptions. You might be wrong, but if all you're trying to do is this consultative where I don't know if I'm a good fit for you. I don't know that we can help you. I don't know that we can solve your problems. So why don't you give me an hour to sit down and jabber with you about it? People don't like that kind of stuff. That's what typical salespeople do. Make some assumptions. How can you save them time? How can you save them money? How can you make them money? That's steps three and four. Perfect emails, perfect voicemails. By the way, again, on those voicemails, don't leave your name first. Leave it at the end. Oh, by the way, it's Ryan calling from such and such, like you forgot. Number five of six, calling and emailing at the perfect time. What's the perfect time to call most people in corporate America? Well, we figured it out. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. in their time zone. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. in their time zone. Why those two times, Ryan? Well, those two times because most people don't book meetings at 11 for fear that it'll wreck their lunch plans. Most people don't book meetings at 4 o'clock for fear that you'll interrupt going home or happy hour. So step number five is call at the perfect times. Now, your business might be different than mine. That's cool. You might have another time that's absolutely perfect. I don't know what it is. But if you figure it out, rinse and repeat it. So number five is creating the perfect times or calling at the perfect time. Last but not least, though, a new business development and prospecting for this new year is creating the perfect pattern. The perfect pattern is what I refer to as being politely persistent, being politely persistent. I heard that years ago, polite persistence. And what I mean by that is I reach out to people every three business days in an effort to get a meeting with them. I'm first going to call and leave a voicemail. Then I'm going to immediately send an email. In that voicemail, I'm going to reference the email that I'm sending. I'm not worried about them calling me back because probably they won't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create the perfect pattern. Call, email, same time, wait three business days. Call, email, same time, wait three business days. Call, email, wait three business days, and do it again. 
And I'm going to keep doing this pattern for approximately two to three weeks until I get some type of response. Now, you might say, Ryan, come on, really? Isn't that annoying? It's not annoying. What you're doing is creating a pattern of persistence that's polite. You're letting that prospect know, hey, I'm not giving up on reaching you. These voicemails and these emails have to be on spot, have to be highly relevant. You really need to focus in on saving people time, saving people money, or making them money. Maybe mention something you saw on their website, a TV commercial you saw, something you read in a trade magazine. Whatever the circumstance is, you want to make sure that every voicemail and every email is unique, it's highly relevant, it's short, and it's to the point. Prospecting is mission critical. It actually is this simple. Number one, define the perfect prospect. Don't just put anybody on your list. Number two, determine the size of your list. What size of list do you actually need? Is it 20, 50, 100? All based on your call to close ratios. Number three and four, creating the perfect email and the perfect voicemail. Highly relevant, focused in on saving time, saving money, or helping them make money. Number five, calling at the perfect time. Create the perfect pattern. Call it the perfect time. Don't be random. And then number six, creating the perfect pattern. And for me, it's every three business days. Friends, this is what I do. This is what my clients do to generate more meetings. We're being highly relevant and we're following a strategy. That's the big thing that's often missing. You're not following a sales strategy. And this strategy will work if you'll take the time and put it into action. All right, friends, we're going to be right back in just a second with John Crowley. He's author of Knuckle Dragging Sales, a primitive process to make more money. I think you're going to enjoy visiting with John. And then, of course, we'll come back after John with your listener questions. And Deborah's getting those all queued up right now. All right, we'll be back in just 30 seconds here on the Sales Training World Podcast. The Sales Training World Podcast is brought to you in part by OpenLook Business Solutions. OpenLook offers affordable outsourcing solutions like data cleanup, telemarketing, customer service follow-up, and so much more. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. Are you looking to grow as a sales manager or VP of sales? Emmy Award-winning sales coach Ryan Dorn just recorded five hours of sales management training. It's available to you online now on demand. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. Over 1,000 sales managers agree. This is the best management training online. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. All right, back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans out there in the sales training world, we're back and I've got an awesome special guest. You know, folks, you know, um, based on all your feedback, I don't bring people on the show all that much anymore. But when I run across a good one, I like to get them on the show. We like to have some fun. So over the next couple of months, I've got a couple of unique cats that I'd like to introduce you to um, that I found that are going to be a ton of fun. And here's what's interesting. They've got a bunch of good uh, stuff uh, to share. So uh, author and uh, salesman himself uh, for many, many years, uh, John Crowley, author of Knuckle Dragging Sales. And more than John, I love the title of that book, man. So tell me, where did the title of the book actually come from? Uh, yeah, Ryan, I I have always considered myself just a knuckle dragging sales guy. And where the, the, <laughs> the title originated from was I actually had that on my LinkedIn profile. It was, you know, I think oncology expert, whatever I was selling at that time and just a knuckle dragging sales guy. And I'll never forget the president of the company looked at me and he says, get that garbage off of your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I thought about it a little bit. And at the time I was trying to recruit salespeople and I said, no. Absolutely yeah. not. Because as I was bringing in reps 
and they were like interviewing to be part of the sales force, they would look and they say, that's why I connected with you because you were down to earth. You weren't some pompous sales leader. So uh, that was where it all it all started. And it, it just manifested itself in this book. And I, it's, uh, I've gotten great feedback on, uh, on using a different, unique uh, title for the book. Now, that's awesome. You know, you got to stand out from the crowd. And one of the things you talk about um, in your book is um, really developing um, your personal sales brand. Now, you and I have something in common, and that is that, um, well, we have a lot of things in common, but something we had in common is that we both have had uh, sort of our wrist, our hands slapped for developing personal brands while we worked for other companies. Now, those of you that know me know I'm a big fan of having your own personal brand. John, I know you are as well. So maybe we could just talk about that a little bit because I know that um, you love it. And unfortunately, just like me, you kind of got in trouble for developing your own personal brand. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, at the time I was working for a big fortune, I'll say 50 company. And I was trying to figure out what my brand was at the time. Um, and I was really catering towards uh, um, the market segment that I was calling on and, and consider myself the business expert of community based oncology. And I had put that on my LinkedIn profile and was starting to put out content, all my own and or stuff that I had uh, uh, curated from other thought leaders and putting it on LinkedIn. And what was really interesting was I get a call from my boss and he says, what's going on? Are you looking for another job? I said, I got no idea what you're talking about. He's like, we were in a, they were in a talent review and it came up that you're looking to leave the company. Now, Ryan, when I tell you I hadn't taken a call from a recruiter, I hadn't been on a post, a board, nothing. <laughs> and the only thing I could figure out that they were talking about was because of my activity on LinkedIn. So I literally had to go back to the, the company's CEO and explain, not only am I not looking for a job, what I'm doing helps you and your entire company because I'm essentially creating a thought leader in myself. And it was something that rather than squashing, they needed to spread across the entire sales force. It took years, and this was going back five years ago, it took years to get them to open their eyes and really see the value of creating a, an individual brand as an employee of a big company. Oh, yeah. I was um, on our podcast last month. We had a question. I was just looking it up here on my computer. Um, Bill from Las Vegas, and he had asked this question. Um, I find LinkedIn creepy. Um, do I, I think the, and the question was, do I need to just get over it, uh, embrace it, or, or, or what? And I'm like, creepy. I mean, this is one of the best tools that has been gifted to salespeople. It's been around way longer than Facebook. Um, it was around before MySpace. I mean, and LinkedIn for me is just one of my go-to resources for not only finding out about prospects, um, but also looking for ways to really connect with people. Let me ask you this. I've kind of noticed that a lot of salespeople, their profiles are, are, are terrible. Have you experienced that as well? It is, it's mind-numbing. It's absolutely amazing how most salespeople are using LinkedIn as their online resume. And you go and you search and you see words like hunter or, uh, <laughs> you know, farmer. And I'm sitting there scratching my head like, OK, so let me get this right. If I'm the prospect and you're the hunter, does that mean I'm the prey? You're yeah. going to come and hunt me. So things like <laughs> quota killer, all these things that we put on there that we think the next oh, you know, hiring manager or that recruiter will find appealing absolutely turns off of our buyers. So that to me is the, the fundamental flaw that's happening today in salespeople's uh, LinkedIn uh, profiles is that they've got to write them to their buyer, like keeping that buyer in mind, not their next job. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I also noticed that um, it's called having like an all-star profile, or at least that's what it was called on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of people uh, don't. And so I really encourage people to, uh, first of all, the photograph you put on LinkedIn, um, okay, it shouldn't be the same one you use um, on Match.com. That's the first thing. <laughs> And the second thing is it shouldn't be from freaking high school. Um, I recently was meeting a prospect in a hotel um, and at a, at a you know lobby bar or restaurant or something. And so I looked on LinkedIn right before I met him because I'd never seen him before. And I'm like, okay, all right. So he's this dude. He's got a mustache. You know, he's got a full head of hair. And I walk up and he's like, hey, you Ryan? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm Bill. And I'm like, dude, doesn't look anything like you. Wow. You look completely different, you know? So I just find that people don't, um, you know, they just really don't uh, do, you know, what you're what you're talking about. What else on building your own brand? Because I think a lot of um, our friends and fans here on the show would love to know kind of what are some things that you do or have done in the past as a salesperson to really set yourself apart from everybody else that's calling on them. You, you know, what's interesting. And I'm going to take a step back if it's OK, because. You know, a lot of folks sit there and say before they talk about how you build a brand, it's it's why. And it's difficult, I have found, to explain to somebody who has a job that they need to build a brand. And it's almost like trying to convince some morbidly obese obese guy that he's got to go vegan and become an ultra marathoner. It's (laughs) such a big jump, right? And typically that 400 pounder has got to have a wake up call in the form of a heart attack or gets dumped by his girlfriend or he's embarrassed because he's got to put that belt seatbelt extender on the airplane. That's the type of wake up call that they have in sales. It typically ends up in somebody who gets downsized. And they're looking for a job, but it had nothing to do with their lack of performance. So the reason it's so important for building a brand is because you become a thought leader. And whether that thought leader is in the eye of a customer or a hiring manager or a recruiter, if you're out there building a solid brand that aligns with who your buyer is or who your potential buyer is, it's something that resonates and people start coming to you. And I'll give you a brief example how I backed into this. And it was done through pure dumb luck. Um, a couple of years ago, I was I was sales guy working for a big company mm-hmm. and I actually got recruited to go to a startup. And the company I was working for was a fortune We'll call it a Fortune 15 company. Uh-huh. They didn't like that I was going to the startup. So they fired me over oh. voicemail, which was wow. awesome. Nice. Then they sued me for $10 million. And on top of that, they sued the startup company for $10 million. bucks. Now, wow. even though I had lawyers that said, hey, don't worry about it. You'd win this in court. The startup looked at me and said, hey, we can't bring you on because we can't afford to fight this legal battle. Right. So I went from you know being a salesman doing very well in a great position to now I had a non-compete and I couldn't make ends meet for my family. So I started developing this this healthcare sales mentor brand. Um, and within you know a year of putting this brand out there, I was getting these consulting gigs that were coming to me. Nice. I ended up landing a consulting gig that six months later I had started um, or I, I took over their sales team as the vice president of sales and sales operations. And I literally went, you know, in the course of two, three years from a sales rep to a VP of sales for a fortune 50 company, I skipped three levels and nice. it was all because of the brand that I had built. Now, now you don't, you're not doing um, brand building for business on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. Mostly on LinkedIn then. 
Mostly LinkedIn. I mean, uh, there's been data that I saw at uh, uh, the last Salesforce where they were talking about 74% of B2B buyers are on LinkedIn, and it, and it was almost double what you saw in any of the, uh, the other social media channels. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying ignore those other channels. It's just right now I'm looking at the attention. The attention's on LinkedIn. That's where most B2B buyers exist, and that's where I spend most of my time. You know, one of the things you talk about is being very simple, uh, being a simple seller. And I absolutely love that, especially when you're selling complex uh, products. Can you talk about, you know, really why simple sells? Yeah. It, 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 so I got to tell you a story and I, I didn't I didn't share this with you earlier. Um, this morning, I had a meeting with a, someone who I've been working with for a long time. This is a, a sales guy who's been massively successful. He's closing in on the seven figure club. He's nice. getting darn close. Nice. And I was preparing for this call and I happened to download your sales call roadmap. And he's looking at it, he goes, what is it? And I was like, oh, it's this, this, this guy, Ryan Dorn, he's got a, a podcast. This is his sales call roadmap. And he says to me, that's it? And I look at him and I go, <laughs> no, 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 that's it. <laughs> and he kind of, his eyes got real big and I was like, buddy, people will overcomplicate the sales call process and make documents that are 20 pages long. Oh, this guy figured it out and simplified it to one page. You couldn't have more than 100, 100 words on that one particular page. So the, the point I'm trying to make is that I think as salespeople, we're product experts. We yeah. like to, you know, to tell and not necessarily sell, but the people that are the most successful are the ones that really break it down to the bare necessities and only the information that continues the sales along the sales process, that, that gets that buyer along the sales process, taking the route that they want to take. And that is often a lot harder to do than being overly complicated. And you figured it out with your sales call roadmap. Yeah, we just got to try to, what I find is that as people get into the business, they um, they become, as, as you mentioned in your book, um, product, like they become product-based sellers. And that's not a conversation, that's a presentation. And um, I'm just, you know, I, I love a great sales presentation if the environment is right, but it's really more about having a conversation. But now one of the things that I do a lot, and I'd love to reinforce it as we talk about this today, I'm a big success story seller. Like every time I talk about anything, I always marry it uh, to a success story. And, um, and I know that you've, you know, I've got some similar, you know, similar thoughts um, on that, but it's all a part of my process. Now, one of the things you talk about in the book um, that I'd love for you to share with folks is about stacking processes on processes, and it can be <laughs> kind of dangerous. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so, you know, I, you talk about knuckle dragging sales and you think, isn't that a, a negative connotation? Um, and it, it can be, and, and where that really, um, manifests itself is I spend a lot of time mentoring folks mm -hmm. and it's these young, eager salespeople that come to me and say, I'm so excited. I'm implementing X, Y, Z process that I just read about in a book. And I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. How do you segment your customers? And I get crickets <laughs> and I said, well, tell me how you go about, you know, you know, planning your day and it's, you know, nothing. And what I've realized is that they've taken these very complicated processes They've tried to put them on top of their company's existing processes, and they've completely neglected the basics, the, the foundation in which it's all built upon. So um, in my book, in Knuckle Dragging Sales, I specifically don't put in any type of processes. The mm -hmm. second half of the book is more tactical. And the yeah. idea there is you can take some of those tactics, the one that resonate with you, and put them into your existing sales process. And again, I think you, I've heard you talk about this in your podcast in the past. 
we've got to make sure that our sales process really maps to or aligns perfectly with our customer's buying process. Too often we try to take our sales process and push our customers into it, and that's where we really lose it. So the simpler, the better. This is a great job to get into, mm -hmm. and it's something that you know is very simple and easy. Go ahead and download your sales call roadmap. I thought it was fantastic. I appreciate that. Well, download it and share it. Print it out. Send it to everybody, John. We'll, we'll, if you do that, then I'll promote your book as well. How's that? <laughs> I'll share it, man. I don't need the promotion of the book, honestly. There. If people want it free, send me an email. I will send you it. I haven't. This is not about making money. It's just about getting it out there, and I'd be more than happy to send it for free. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, John Crowley, Knuckle Dragon Sales, um, Amazon bestseller. So we got some we got some gifts we're going to give uh, to all the listeners of the Sales Training World podcast, uh, absolutely free um, for you. So, John, if you would, guide people to where they can get this uh, sales presentation template, um, the ebook on, on uh, LinkedIn, and things like that. Yeah, the, go to knuckledraggingsales.com forward slash Ryan. Knuckledraggingsales.com forward slash Ryan. And on there, I've got uh, the template, the ebook. Download it for free. You can connect with me. Uh, you can schedule a one on one uh, mentoring session. I'm not selling anything. This isn't me pitching this coaching program. This is what I truly enjoy is just working with and trying to give back to a, to a profession that has done so well by me in the past. Awesome. Thanks so much, John, for being here. We sure appreciate it again, friends. Uh, free gifts for you over at knuckledraggingsales.com forward slash Ryan uh, to download all that great stuff that John promised. So, John, best of luck to you this year, and thanks so much for being uh, on the show. We sure appreciate it. All right, friends, it is my favorite time of the program, listener questions. And we've got three great listener questions that'll be uh, coming up. And we've got a question from Robbie in Houston, Jessica in Tulsa, and Dave from Jacksonville. So, Deborah, how about the first question? Read it off. Okay, Robbie from Houston has a question for you, Ryan. I've been in the sales business for less than two years. I have read nearly every book on the open market. I've tried it all. Why are the strategies I am reading in so many books failing when I try them? Hmm, good question. All right, uh, Deborah, thanks. Um, Robbie, here's the thing about it all that I, what I, here's what I find. Most of the copyrights from almost every book that's been a bestseller, uh, come in from the 1980s, 1988, 1999. And it's not that I don't have great, a deal of respect for all the people that have come before me in the sales training author type business. But unfortunately we live in a world where times are dramatically changing. The way that people buy is changing. It used to be Robbie, that people had to talk to us to get information about our products and services. And now, quite honestly, they don't have to talk to us. So because of that, we've had to adopt stale strategies. And there's not a lot of really great books out there right now in the open market. Um, so that's why I think that John Crowley's book is good. I think you'll find some great help in the books that I've written. And But I think you also need to be thinking about this. Being highly relevant is the one thing that is a major differentiating factor. Almost all salespeople and almost all sales programs follow a fundamental consultative-based sales approach. And that approach is figure out what the person's needs are and then meet their needs. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. The problem is to get to that point, you walk people through needs assessments that people have sat through for years and they're tired of sitting through the needs assessments. So the one best piece of advice I can give you is you really need to be a little more assumptive in your sales process. Sure, you want to ask, be asking great questions. How can I save you time? How can I save you money? How can I make you money? You know, what are the biggest needs that you have? What are your goals for next year? But more important than that, if I could bring you one new customer, what would that mean? If I could fix one major problem for you, what would that problem be? 
We don't want to be asking questions like, what keeps you up at night? What's the problem that keeps you up at night? You know, um, what's the one thing I could, I could do for you to make your day better? You know, those type of things are trite, they're overused. Um, and quite honestly, they're just kind of boring, open-ended questions. So to really bring this question back all the way to where you started, you started with, hey, why are these, the advice in this, in this book not working? The answer to that is because the selling environment has changed dramatically. The second piece of that is be careful about needs assessments and the consultative sale. Because if you're not careful, you're going to be asking the same questions that every other salesperson has asked. And then the last part is, it's just being highly, highly relevant to people. Make some assumptions. You might be wrong. Make some assumptions and do whatever you can to be exceedingly relevant in all phases of the sales process. And don't give up. There's a lot of great authors out there, but just remember Check the copyright because a lot of the stuff that's being taught out there today in a lot of these books, those books are copyrighted in the 90s and the 90s are calling and they want those books back. <laughs> okay, Deborah, next question. Our next question is from Jessica in Tulsa. She writes, Ryan, I am in a constant battle with my boss about sales presentations, specifically PowerPoint slide decks. It is a mandate that we use this 25 slide PowerPoint deck on every sales call. Wow. It is awful. It does not work. So I secretly do not use it. My boss does not know this. So now I am closing deals and he is taking credit saying the slide deck is working to my colleagues. What should I do? <laughs> Jessica, right on, Jessica. Do what you got to do to get the sale, right? Well, there's a certain part of the sales business when you're not a manager, obviously, is uh, doing what you are told to do. Typically, in most sales companies, they're going to rinse and repeat. Like Mercedes has a way of selling. Pfizer has a way of selling. I have a way of selling. And so I'm trying to get all of my folks that are working with me and my team to sell in a similar way. It's difficult to manage uh, a team when you don't know what the team is doing or what the team is saying. Now, Jessica, you've obviously had some great success beyond the slide deck that is there. So what I might suggest, I, I don't think you want to admit to your boss that you're not doing what you're told. Instead, I think you want to take a positive spin to this. I think you want to go to your boss and say, hey, you know, I've been having some great wins lately. And what I've noticed is I've, I've kind of tweaked a little bit on the on the slide deck. I haven't, you know, and I just want to share with you some of the things that I'm that I'm doing some of the things that um, I have been observing, some of the things that I've tweaked or changed or improved or whatever. And um, if the person gets upset with you for making those changes, I think your go-to would be, I know I didn't do it exactly the way that you said. And here's what I found. I really respect what you did. I respect what you're saying. I respect what you're asking. I've just found that out on the street, this is the response that I've received. And I'd love for you to consider making a few changes for the benefit of the of the entire team. You want to take a really positive approach to it. But just recognize everybody out there in sales land, most managers are asking you to do it a certain way because they've had experience of positive results in the past. If you're not getting the results that you thought or if the sales manager is telling you to do things that are just not working, take a positive approach, sit down with them and say, hey, could I make a couple of suggestions I think would be a great improvement for the team. You might even say could I try this and report back to you the results? And if they say no, then maybe you can secretly try it and see. But usually there's a reason that most managers are asking you uh, to follow a plan of attack. Usually it's because you want to rinse and repeat uh, success. So Jessica, um, I wish you the best of luck in that. And hopefully you can have a positive conversation with your boss and create some changes uh, for your entire team. So good luck with that. All right, next, last but not least, next question, Deborah. Another good question for you, Ryan. Dave from Jacksonville sent this one in. 
Hi, Ryan. Love the show. Thanks for the advice each month. My question is about CRM tools. I am having a hard time keeping track of the progress of my prospects through the sales funnel. I know my CRM really well, but I want to create a better way to track them through the funnel. Any help is appreciated. Excellent. Thanks. Okay, cool. Uh, good question. And if you know, one of the things I've talked about uh, before, Dave, um, in, the, in the total process of becoming a CRM master, those that are awesome at their CRM almost always do better than those that aren't. All right, tracking people through the funnel. Here's what I do. Um, depending on the CRM that you're using, Salesforce, you would tag people. Um, if you're in the media business, a magazine manager, you might use priority or contact groups. What I try to do is I try to use either a priority or a tag in the CRM to designate people into three or four different categories. A prospect to me is somebody that I've not met with. A prospect is somebody I'm trying to get a meeting with. So I'm going to tag them or prioritize them as a prospect in the CRM. So I can search by that group. I can pull that group up. My next stage, though, is in progress. So when I get a meeting with somebody, I'm going to change the tag in the CRM or the priority to in progress. That way I can isolate those people and focus in on those people. When I earn somebody's business, I change the tag to active. When they're not under contract anymore, they're inactive. And then I'll turn them back into a prospect or I'll move them into renewal or a prospecting tag. So what I'm saying here is monitoring people through the sales funnel, although there are automated ways to do this uh, based upon the percentages of to, of, of to close in the CRM, I don't like to use that tool. Sorry. What I like to do is do it myself, either with a tag or with a priority, because what I want to do is be able to pull a group of prospects and be able to email them in mass or pull a bunch of people in progress and email them in mass or pull people that are active or inactive or on hold I want to be able to pull them and email them and communicate with them differently. See, I use my CRM, Dave, to create focus because by nature, I'm not a focus-driven uh, person. So it's important for me to use tagging or priority settings or custom fields or whatever to make sure that I can assign a label to a particular person. So John Doe, let's walk through the process. John Doe, um, in the very beginning, what he's going to be to me is a prospect. Once I get a meeting with him, I change the tag to in progress. Once I close the deal, I change that tag to active. If he doesn't buy from me, I probably mark him either on hold or disqualified or, or something like that. That's, that's how I handle it. And for me, it tends to work really, really well. So Dave, I think that could be something that would be very, very beneficial uh, to you. Um, super great questions. Awesome questions. Uh, this month is always uh, on the show and we'd love to hear from you. So Deborah, um, maybe tell folks how they can get in touch with us. Great questions from our listeners. And don't forget to send your sales questions via email to ryan at ryandorn.com. Again, ryan at ryandorn.com. We would love to feature your questions right here on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So keep those questions coming in. Give us your feedback. Send it over ryan at ryandorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N. So thanks for your listener questions. Thank you, John Crowley, Knuckle Dragging Sales, for being here today. And hope you find this podcast each and every month really, really useful in your sales life. Hey, love to come to train your team or motivate your team in 2019. Bringing in a professional training group like mine is not as expensive as you might think. So drop me an email. Love to give you a personalized quote on that. We're booking up fast though. Um, so if you need us to come to your sales meeting or sales conference in 2019, make sure you reach out to us here pretty darn quick. All right, you can find out more about what we do over at salestrainingworld.com. You can also check us out over at Biz Talk Radio and their podcast network. And we're also loud and proudly an affiliate of the National Association 
of Sales Professionals. Google them, National Association of Sales Professionals. Get certified, get trained, and I think you're going to find that to be an amazing group of colleagues just like all of you here in the sales training world. All right, friends, my name is Ryan Dorn. We'll see you next month. Stick around and stay close. Another great podcast coming up here from the sales training world, Brainswell Media Studios, salestrainingworld.com. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.